You are listening to This Is Spinal Crap, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This Is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This Is Spinal Crap is sponsored by Colourplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our very special 4th of July episode. It was about time we made a show focusing on our American listeners and friends. And we've had so much support from the US that we decided there's no better way to celebrate you guys and make sure that you're included and welcomed into the Spinal Crap family than having a 4th of July special. Isn't that right, Grace? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the theme this week, obviously, is independence. Um, And we've invited along loads of really interesting and accomplished friends onto today's show. And we'll be introducing them to you and talking all about what independence means to them. As always, you're looking to me, Ruth Early, along with Grace Spence-Green. Hi. Happy 4th of July, Grace. Thanks. I've never never celebrated it before, but this year, I'm going to have to. Gonna have to do something. Um, well, we're, we're celebrating with this podcast for a start, and we have kind of a good news, bad news situation with this episode, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do indeed. It's um, it is a, a, a special bumper US Fourth of July special, but it's also our season finale. No crying. I thought there was gonna be. It's yeah, it's our final episode in the season. We kind of figured that with lockdown coming to an end pretty much all around the world um, or getting there and people starting to reclaim their lives. uh, You've probably all heard enough from us for now. Um, And thank you so much to everybody for keeping us company, for staying in touch and for coming along for the lockdown ride. We wish everybody all the best um, as we resume normal-ish society. On that note, can we also say thank you to the Spinal Injuries Association, who've been our partners for the series. Um, who knew back when we started this little project that it would have grown legs like it has? No, no idea, honestly. Couldn't, can't believe it. It's been really a great journey. Yes, thank you to SIA. And thank you, a massive thank you, as always, to Coloplast or Coloplast, whichever you prefer, um, our sponsors and friends now for three series who have just been absolutely fab. Thank you for your uh, just unquestioning support of us. It's been it's been fantastic. And also on the note of Coloplast, I have to say, Gracie, this is probably too much. We might have to edit this out. But I was as I was saying, okay, we must thank Coloplast. I was thinking of all the things that we've had to worry about during lockdown, of all the things that have gone wrong, and all the the one thing I haven't had to worry about was it to do with bladder and bowel. No, <laughs> so. me too. Actually, they've been very very good. I've never. Never had a shortage. Yeah, and actually the deliveries and everything, even at the beginning when there's questions over whether we were going to get deliveries on time and all of that, always, always delivered and always had a good, good service in place. Um, so thanks, Coloplast and Coloplast Charity for that. So, okay, uh, to kickstart us off, off on this epic episode, um, we have a familiar name and voice for your listening pleasure. She was our first ever US guest on the show, and we loved her so much that we wanted her back on for this episode. It's the very, very lovely friend of the show, Bree Scalisi. Hi, Bree. Hi. Thank you for having me back. 
Thank you for coming back. We're delighted to have you. We had such a lovely chat with you before we didn't want it to end. So now yeah, we're... it was one of my one of my favorite episodes so far, I think. And actually, we've heard that back from quite a lot, especially of women uh, who've been listening, have, have come back with really positive things to say about that episode. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. You've had, you had a really busy time recently since we last spoke. Yeah. Um, so I graduated in the middle of May. Yeah, middle of May um, from graduate school. And then uh, literally within the week of graduating from graduate school, uh, I started moving um, back to New York City. Uh, I had been quarantining outside of the state and then uh, I had to move out of my grad student housing. And so me and my boyfriend moved in together and we're living in this really cool, beautiful apartment in the city. And it's, it's been crazy, but exciting. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot since we last spoke. That's amazing. Yeah. I saw your pictures that you had up for your graduation. And you, so you graduated for, with your master's, is it? Yeah, with my master's. Congratulations, huge. From Columbia, right? Yeah. So that's a massive, massive achievement. Well done. Well done. You had the most surreal graduation pictures. Yeah, it was also a really strange time. I was hesitant on taking the pictures. So I was on campus to move out. Um, and I was like, it was still uh, pretty like quarantine, like lockdown. And I was nervous that there would be people on campus. But because classes aren't in session, except for, you know, online and on Zoom, um, there was no one on campus, which was really nice. So I was able to take uh, some really nice pictures, very socially distanced from anyone else um since I didn't really get to have a, a graduation it was virtual so there was like a YouTube video recording and it just played a slide of like our names but the pictures were really fun to take I took them with my boyfriend and and we just like had a nice day on campus just spending some time there yeah the pictures are gorgeous I love them I think that's the best thing you could have done in that situation yeah. it felt nice to like get dressed up and and like celebrate myself in a way and the accomplishment and everything 100% it has to be done so you moved back into New York City kind of in the middle of all that there's a lot of craziness going on in the U.S. at the moment we all know this um so between the pandemic the protests everything the kind of it's very volatile we imagine that's what it appears in the media to be how did you feel about moving back into New York um I definitely was overwhelmed and really like confused about how the moving process would even go because there's so much involved in like moving, especially furniture in and out of a huge apartment building. Um, but it went really smoothly. Like our particular building was really great about like giving us access to a special elevator and like very like little interaction, which with people, which was really nice. Um, but definitely just like physically moving all the stuff, um, was, was pretty overwhelming. Um, I think as far as the protests go, it's really interesting, um, the way that like international media and news and even like news here are receiving things. And even I myself was very overwhelmed. And then I ended up, um, going out to a protest and it was super peaceful and it was really beautiful and everyone was really respectful. Um, so of course there are, um, things happening that we're seeing on the media but then there's also a lot of like solidarity and and peacefulness and um just people really like 
advocating for for their lives and their rights in a, in a way that like is just everyone coming together so that's really great to hear because I think yeah in the UK I feel like we're getting a lot of um the media is just all the like really aggressive rights you don't hear about the people you hear that the peaceful protests are happening but they don't they don't cover them and it was the same um here in the UK I went to some protests that were very peaceful but the media only showed the sort of little tiny spots of more aggressive behavior I feel like that it's really important for the disabled community to show solidarity because kind of think back to history I remember watching Crip Camp and watching their protests and the um, Black Panther came and supported them and you know, it, feels, it feels important to support this movement. Yeah I think for marginalized communities to come together is really important and I love to see it. I mean, it brings a whole new means. Our theme this week is independence, and we're celebrating independence on the fourth of July, um, and that's obviously you know commemorating a, a moment in history in the US. It's probably a strange time in, in the US at the moment to be talking about independence with everything that's going on. Yeah, I think, and I've even seen about Fourth of July itself there being a struggle of the celebration because there are such like differentiations of people's rights. Um, obviously, um, being black in America is an extremely difficult and different experience than being, you know, a white able-bodied male in America, or, um, you know, even my experience being a disabled woman. It's, it's very different on like what rights and independence do still mean even today in 2020. Do you have plans for the 4th of July? No, actually, um, the past few years, one of my closest friends, um, she's Australian, and her birthday is on the 4th of July. So on the 4th of July, we've typically uh, done something special for her birthday, um, rather than actually celebrating it as the 4th of July. Um, but I'm still pretty socially distanced, especially for my friends um, in chairs. Um, a few are immunocompromised um, or have different things. So we can't like get together in a group and celebrate, which is, which is sad. But I think just being outside, honestly, it's so strange, but that's like a huge part of 4th of July. Um, in America is I feel like just like literally being outside. So maybe like even just taking a walk or going, we have like a roof, which is really nice. Um, and maybe just going up on the roof and spending some time there. That sounds lovely. Sounds ideal, really. <laughs> We're going to be speaking to quite a few people um, on this episode, some really, really cool people that we've been in contact with or following or or that we've just discovered while we were looking for wonderful people to talk to. And one of the things that we're asking everybody is what independence means to you or to them. Um, you know, in there's so many layers, aren't there, at the moment, especially when you've got disability. Independence is a whole different thing from people who are able-bodied, you know. Um, when you think of the word independence or when you celebrate independence, what is it that you're celebrating? What, what, what comes to your mind? I think the word independence has morphed so immensely for me, like, over time. Um, because I remember when I was younger, especially within a lot of members of my family, there was just always this question before I went off to college of how are you going to be independent, quote unquote? Um, how are you going to basically live alone? That's what they were saying more than I think they thought they were saying independent. And what they were saying was, how are you going to live alone? Um, 
because I never, you know, I never tried it. The first time that I did it was when I went off to college. And so for so long to me, independence meant doing everything on my own and living on my own and being able to completely um, care for myself without anyone's help in any way. And then uh, as I just experienced life more, as I like integrated more into the disabled community, and then as I was in the hospital for a semester, um, my first year of grad school, uh, I think I started to really rethink what independence meant because as an adult, I think if you don't feel some sort of independence, it can be like very shaky. It can really rock your world. And so I had to find what independence meant to me, especially being in the hospital bed and not literally having any control at that point over my body. Um, and I think for me, I realized that independence meant being able to advocate for myself in some way, um, whether that meant just literally telling someone like, hey, I want to turn on my side or um, can you grab this for me? Um, but the ability for me to advocate for myself in that moment was what was really important to my independence. Well, Brie, we would love to talk a little bit more, but we have um, quite a jam-packed show to uh, push on with. We will see you hopefully again. We still owe you a Spinal Crap mug, um, one of those babies. <laughs> so when, when things settle down, and we will we will be back in touch to get that over to you. We'll come to New York. That's a good idea, girl. Do I would love that. How big is your apartment there? <laughs> it can fit some people. I mean, I I only have a couch, but you know, we can get like a blow up mattress. I'll bring a blow up mattress. <laughs> yeah, I'll sleep on the floor. Don't mind. We can make it work. Okay, we will have to make this happen. Okay, Bree, lovely to talk to you again. Thank you. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> is indeed a complicated place at the moment but for one British Tetra it has indeed been the land of opportunity. For Marianne Rupry, she's been receiving treatment in Miami for the last number of years and many of our listeners will be familiar with the charity that is set up in her name, the Rupry Spinal Trust. So joining us today to talk about their American dream is Marianne and her partner Andy Utteridge who is the driving force behind the trust. So welcome Marianne and Andy. Hi. Hi guys, how are you doing? Yeah, delighted to have you here. Thanks for joining us. And Marianne, um, I know that you don't usually do podcasts, so thank you very much. We feel very honoured that you have agreed to come on the show. Yeah, you make yourself like a diva. (laughs) (laughs) This could be the first of many. Yeah, you never know. There you go. You start a whole new career now as as an inspirational speaker. First of all, guys, um, we'll, I'll ask you a little bit about your American journey in just a moment. But do you, do you uh, usually celebrate the 4th of July? And how are you going to mark it this year? Um, we don't really, do we? We, we kind of, because obviously we've made a few friends since we've been going to America. So we kind of speak to them and, and exchange a few texts, maybe have a drink in there. Or but yeah, we don't really. Uh, but maybe this year we will. Yeah, as we're going to be at home, perhaps we'll, uh, we'll do something. All the Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to actually be in America at one time when it, when it is the 4th of July, because I'd imagine over there it's pretty cool. You haven't been there yet for any 4th of July celebration? No, we haven't. Can you tell us then about the Miami Connection? And Marianne, how did you start uh, your treatment in the US? Um, it's probably a couple of years after my accident, I met a physiotherapist 
and she told me about the biofeedback program that they do in America. Um, it sounded really good, interesting. I was intrigued and excited. So I really want to go and try it out. And then she told me it was in Miami, which is an amazing place. I've always wanted to visit. So Still the deal. Yeah, it is. Miami. So then I, I said to Andy and we put the logistics in place and we went. Yeah. What year was that? 2007, our first trip. Yeah. Which was obviously we were quite apprehensive about because that was the first time Mariana travelled since her injury and uh, on a plane. And so it was quite apprehensive, but we just thought, let's just give it a go. And, and to be we fair, we had uh, plenty of offers to come with us. As soon as we said Miami, the family, they're all both families are up for it and yeah. carers. And yeah, we weren't sure to care for that trip, funnily enough. And do they ever get to take any of the trips with you since? Do we get sorry? Do the family ever take any trips with you now? Yeah, we can't get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> Far too many freeloaders. We have a good mix of obviously care and, people and family helping, which makes it, does make it a lot easier yeah. than obviously if it was just Marianne. We, we try and make a good holiday out of it, so... How often do you travel to Miami or, or what, you know, in a 12-month in a period, for example? We try to go about once, twice a year. Don't we, about once or twice? It's good. Yeah, we, we, we were doing once a year for kind of three or four weeks and then we try to up it. Obviously, it's not cheap, so it's kind of dependent on finances and things. So if we can, we do twice a year. Uh, otherwise, we, we just at least try and do once, once a year. Obviously, we'd love to do more, but yeah. logistically, it's just... Tricky. I mean, I'd love to do half a year there and half a year here. Definitely. Yeah. I, that is my, yeah. Run a lottery, that that would might be, my uh, dream. I just love America so much. Speaking of finances then, I mean, Andy, you are the um, the man behind the Root Price Spinal Trust. So for anybody who hasn't heard of you guys, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do or how you started? Yeah, I'd say Andy's the brains. I'm the face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that a compliment or not? I'm not, not sure. Why is it a compliment for me? Uh, yeah, no, so back when Marianne was in the spinal unit, obviously um, she was in there for a long time and I was with her. She, uh, actually, she was in the Sheffield spinal unit and I lived in Hertfordshire, so I would stay up there most of the time. We had a lot of time on our hands and uh, it was just an idea I had that maybe we could start something to, to A, give Marianne some support and B, help others as well ultimately was was a goal you know kind of see see what was out there to help Marianne improve it, w- it wasn't a case of you know looking for a miracle cure it was literally what was out there that might improve Marianne's quality of life um and then kind of sharing what we do with others really so it, it came about we were very you know we are still small now we're only we're completely voluntary the first few years we were just kind of finding our way uh, and obviously coming to terms with what had happened to Marianne. But since then, in the last few years, we've we've been able to sponsor a, a lot of people to follow the path that Marianne takes in terms of accessing physiotherapy. Yeah, it's definitely taken off these last few years. I mean, it's not for everyone, the physio thing, and we understand that, but the guys who are interested in it, obviously finance and paying for it is a big, you know, obstacle. So we just try and help where we can to sponsor people to access physiotherapy and is that all in the us or is that in the uk as well or it's uk that our, our, our scholarship program is based in the uk 
and most of our people that we support, or everyone that we support is from the UK. Um, but we have helped a couple of people visit the US. We've just been helping sponsor a young young girl, Ellie, who's been in Miami for six months, actually. Uh, so, But 99% of our stuff is sponsoring people to have access to video in the UK. Obviously, we'd love to do more, but again, it comes down to finance. It's not cheap sponsoring people to go overseas. And how many people has the trust sponsored? Um, All together, or currently at the moment, I think we're sponsored. At the moment, we're at, well, before the lockdown, we were average, averaging around 20 people a, a month that were getting some kind of wow. support. Yeah. Obviously, some of the guys are long-term that, that we help every week, and then there's guys that come along for uh, the like, short-term course. Yeah, like a little training session so they can take stuff home and work there with their carers and physios. For three days, yeah. So, yeah, we were averaging around 20 people a month, which we're really that's very impressive. We're really Thank pleased. With, yeah. yeah, we are. We're really pleased. Good, good. Um, I have a question for you, Andy, uh, because we recently did a show about partners of people with spinal cord injury. Um, and as it happened, the partners we spoke to were all women. Um, and a lot of our listeners got onto us afterwards, or we had discussions in our cafe that we do on Thursdays um, about you know, the difference between how men or how women react to um, their partners sustaining a spinal cord injury. Now, I realize every human being is different, but there was this kind of feeling that men had been left out from the discussion, which they absolutely had. But there was also a feeling that men wouldn't be quite as fiercely supportive of their partners as the women were. So I uh, dispel that myth and uh, you are now the um the poster boy for all, all i'll say that yeah i'll say that i'll be the cheerleader for us guys out there doing our thing i'd be um curious to know um seeing this man you've you've probably you've had physiotherapy in the uk and you've had this therapy in miami kind of what are the differences in approaches between the uk and the us in terms of therapy are there sort of different ethoses that they have would you say they are different but um because i go to a center here in england and a center there i'd say i do a lot more standing and walking in america um but the best the thing i would say since we've been going to america like, like i said i started off with biofeedback and then we started going to the miami project um this big research center there and then we found like, I wanted to do some carry on doing like my exercises and rehab out there. Then we found that amazing center. I think one of the most important thing is, is to have a good rapport with your trainers. So I've got a great rapport out here with these trainers in England. I've got a great rapport with my trainers out in America, but they both do different sort of stuff. The guys we work with in the UK are, are fantastic. amazing, but it's, it's nice to have some different input. I think because you see that you see those guys week in week out. It's just nice to, to freshen it up, and, and the, the guys in Miami. Obviously, if we were going there and doing exactly the same thing, would be a bit of a pointless yeah. exercise. But because they do different things, they kind of complement some of the stuff we do here. Yeah, so I probably yeah I don't do as much walking here. Like I said, there I do a lot of walking, and also where this centre is is like a got like a promenade of shops. So I can walk outside as well. And the thing I do love when I'm walking outside, you walk past. There's like bars, salons, shops, stuff like that there, and restaurants. 
people are always like coming out, clapping me, cheering me, aren't they? Like giving me so much support oh. out there. They're just so like, yeah, I love their approach. Yeah, and they're always problem. coming out going, come on, girl, you can do it. And, you know, just get it's such a good buzz. Yeah, they're definitely supportive. And I think, yeah, the, the guys that we're working with at the moment, obviously, they've, there's places out there that have amazing equipment, some places better than other. But for us, it's definitely the, the people, yeah. the, the ideas that they have. I mean, they just they just give us lots of ideas to take home. Okay, we haven't got the same equipment that they have at, home, at, at the centre, but they will give you ideas and say, well, try this, try that. Yeah, we bring them home and then we try it here. And we take it here and we take it to our, our physio here. And, and it's know. just like sharing the information, like, so I can bring stuff back from Miami and vice versa and then, you know, just combine them both. And it just seems to work really well for me. And I'm not going to lie, the weather really helps. <laughs> <laughs> and one bonus is, as you're walking down the promenade, there's a bar there. And I'm, <laughs> that encourages me to walk there at the end without bar. Funnily enough, though, she's always... I can walk away. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Marianne always forgets her purse, though, when we walk Yeah, but I never have any pockets. <laughs> She's like the Queen. She doesn't take cash with her. Right, guys. How can people learn more about how to uh, either contribute to the trust or look for support from you guys? Well, we, we have quite a good following on Instagram. We, we post quite a lot of uh, videos of what Marianne's up to, and we get a lot of feedback and people asking uh, how they can get involved. Unfortunately, because we are so small, we cut our criteria is obviously we support people from the UK. Yeah. We get a lot of guys from overseas asking us to sponsor them, but we, we just, as much as we'd love to, we don't obviously have the resources for that. But so, that, so social media, we're across social media at RS Trust. There's some good videos on there of other people as well. Just yeah, not, it's not just me. and over those me. <laughs> Thing is one of me on there, so it's not completely Marianne. Brilliant, brilliant. It's been lovely to speak to you and I wish you a happy 4th of July and best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, well Thank done, you. Nice. And back to you. Okay, in this segment, guys, we have a really interesting guest that we've been looking forward to speaking to. Um, we have Janira Obregon, who is a model, an activist, and an influencer um, based in New York. Is that right, Janira? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you. Great. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about a little bit about you and your background? Sure. Um, so I was born. Well, I was diagnosed at six months old um, with cerebral palsy. Especially quadriplegia. Um, growing up, I was always in a um, specialized school. Um, but when I got to high school here in New York, um, people with disabilities they get like a special um, diploma. But I didn't want that. I wanted to get a regular high school diploma, just like any other student. So I kind of had to forfeit um, an IEP, um, which is like a plan for students with disabilities saying like what kind of accommodations they need and they're um, writing down their special needs and their disability. So I kind of had to forfeit that. And then, um, but, and then like work extra hard um, in, in a regular high school to get my high school diploma. But um, successfully I was able to do it. 
Yay. And I graduated top four in my class. <laughs> oh my God. Congratulations. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, and college um, was a different challenge because I had to learn um, how to advocate for myself and in my needs. But thankfully, um, with some extra hard, like extra hard work and support, I was able to um, get my needs in college while, but, and also um, continue as a regular um, or typical student in college. And um, I was part of like honor societies in college and I graduated um, also. And um, I have one degree in paralegal studies and another degree in English um, with a minor in law. So you really like studying? Yeah. <laughs> Later on, um, when I graduated, um, here it's kind of hard to find a job um, because with your disability, it's not always seen as um, worthy or um, like you're capable of um, holding a job. Well, my initial plan was not to go into modeling, but it kind of just happened um, where I got to meet Mindy. She's the founder of Runaway of Dreams. And she invited me to a photo shoot that they were having for um, Mirror Fashion Week. And since um, I was a part of that photo shoot, they then contacted me again to be a part of um, their New York Fashion Week. And I got to model for Nike um, adaptive clothing line. And it was pretty cool. Um, to see so many other um, people with disabilities um, come together and be a part of the fashion industry because um, I feel like especially um, for us, we're not always considered when people are designing clothes or, or in fashion in general. That was pretty cool. And since then I, I kind of got to see like how I can be a voice and, a, and for those who don't have a voice or are scared, um, too. And I've seen like the discrepancies in the fashion industry. So it kind of wanted me to push and take up a modeling career. And since then, I've been like advocating in the fashion industry. I've been working um, with separate designers. I got to be a part of two, like three other fashion week shows since that first time in 2018. Just working with the designers saying like, we kind of like, let's design something that works for me because of my disability. And having um showing them that you can uh, book a model with a disability you can work with them just just having an open mind and talking to them so that way everyone's on the same page we had a um a model um on a well we have a friend who's who's part of this show and part of a show that we did before called Bree Scalisi who you probably know oh I think I know her yeah <laughs> She's awesome. We were speaking to her a little earlier. She's uh, she's fab. But um, I that made me think that New York might be a little bit more open to people with disabilities uh, as models than many other places. Or would you think that that's the case? Or I think in New York, um, yes, I would say we're more open to um, having models with disabilities. But at the same time, I think like there's so much more that can be done. In the fashion industry in general, like I feel like people who design or people who um, make these shows to have us in mind in, from the beginning, because sometimes it's, it's us trying to work extra hard to um, be seen instead of being considered from the beginning. 
This show is all about independence. We're celebrating Independence Day, or you guys are celebrating Independence Day on the 4th of July. I think we're going to have to come up with something, guys, but um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure that one out. Um, but you guys are definitely going to be celebrating. Do you have plans for this year, for the 4th of July? Actually, we do. Um, it's my aunt's birthday, so we're, <laughs> we're um, planning to do like a barbecue at, um, at a park for her and just doing something together as a family and celebrating Independence Day. Amazing. And at, at the moment, 2020 being the year that it has been, have you been able to see your family much with lockdown and all of that? Not really. It's been kind of just hard. Um, mostly I've just been home. <laughs> because um, don't want to risk myself getting sick or exposed. So just, I've only been out maybe like twice or three times since March. Wow, so you really will have an Independence Day on the 4th of July. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with the word independence then, what does that mean to you? Or what do you celebrate when you're celebrating independence? I think independence, well, to me, it means to, to be free to um, own who you are, to work harder for yourself to know um to know that you can do what you want um how you want to but also to understand that maybe sometimes you do need help from someone else i know independence people think that you can do it all by yourself but i think real independence is knowing that you can do it by yourself but also knowing that sometimes you might need help from others can I ask you, I've been looking at your um, your Instagram page recently. I've been making more of an effort to educate myself about the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. And I, I've loved some of the things that you've had to say on there. Do you feel that you have a responsibility as a black woman with a platform? Do you feel that you have a responsibility to share all of, or, or what do you feel your responsibility is at the moment? Well, I think as a, Black woman, well, I also kind of have a um, Hispanic background, so I would consider myself as an Afro-Latina. But I do think as having my platform is so important to, um, to use my voice to educate people um, about um, our community and our culture. I also think that it doesn't matter how small you think your voice might be, but if you have a platform, just use it to educate others or to support the African-American community. Janira, I had a question about um, what sort of steps do you think are needed um, for the fashion industry to become kind of more diverse and, um, you know, more rep representative of, you know, disabled bodies and disabled people? I think it all starts with um, communication. Um, a lot of the times, like I've been saying, we're not considered from the beginning. Um, we're considered like afterwards when we're like already in the midst of like the production or the photo shoot or whatever this, you know, and from the beginning, this has to be this kind of communication um, and speaking to, to those with disabilities, like what can we do better for you? Um, what are your ideas um, for the photo shoot or for the collection or for the fashion show um, and having us in mind and also just, I think designers or um, people who put these fashion shows together just reach out to, should reach out to us more because we can be a part of the fashion industry. 
Um, it sounds like beyond modeling that you might actually have a huge interest in getting more involved in the design and the organization of these kind of events. Am I, am I picking that up correctly? Um, yeah, I guess it would be um, kind of a combination of the two because you can't really be a part of the like model, model in general. And then, because I've had instances where um, people have canceled on me because they, um, their, their facility was not wheelchair accessible. And they didn't mention that from the beginning or they didn't look into it from the beginning. So I think um, in production and designs, you just don't want to wait till the last minute and say, oh, I can't have you anymore because I didn't check um, thoroughly about your needs, you know? Yeah, I see a consultancy in your future. <laughs> <laughs> Ability and access consultant or something to the fashion industry. Um, listen, Janira, it has been absolutely lovely speaking to you. Um, we're delighted that all of the tech worked out and delighted we got to chat to you. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we will um, let you go back to starting your celebrations and getting getting ready for your Fourth of July celebrations. Um, and hopefully we'll be in touch soon. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So our next guests today are Kansas couple Logan and Jamie Clark. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks thank for you. Having us. Really, I think you're the first people from Kansas that we've spoken to, so that's really nice. I just think of Dorothy Gale when I think of Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> Most people do. Yeah. Oh no, have I just been a stereotype? No, you're so fine. Good. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a lot to claim out here, so we'll claim what we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, so I, my Logan here, um, I was, uh, when I was 16 years old, I used to live out in uh, Hugoton, Kansas, it's about as far as southwestern Kansas that you can get, but um, I was driving um, to go play golf with one of my friends, and they're very small two-lane highways um, out there, and um, some guys had worked double shift on an oil rig and were coming home from their double shift at 8 o'clock in the morning and fell asleep and came and hit us head-on 70 miles an hour each way um, that we were going. And I killed my friend but left me um, from – from the accident, I had what was called a transected aorta. So my aorta to my heart was almost pretty much completely torn in half. Um, it was hanging on by just a little bit. So I had to go, I had open heart surgery. And as a result of the open heart surgery, I had, they clamped the oxygen off my leg, off to the lower half of my body to do the surgery. And the surgery just took so long because it's such a, not very many people make it to the hospital with a transected aorta. So I'm very blessed to be here for sure. But, um, the surgery just took so long that it, it killed all the nerves in my legs. So I didn't break my spine or my back or anything, but I just, all the nerves in my legs were um, basically dead. So I was paralyzed as a result of that from the age of 16. I am 31 years old right now. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of the, the story of how I got into the wheelchair. And First of all, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. That sounds like it was an awful ordeal. Um how did you guys then, how did you guys end up meeting or getting together? Um, we kind of had a group of mutual friends. I went to a Starbucks in our town 
often and his sister worked there. So there was just a group of friends that hung out. And it's kind of funny because our families actually knew each other from church when we were way younger. So when I told my parents about like hanging out with his family and his sister, they knew who I was talking about. So that was kind of funny. But yeah, we just started, we connected a lot on like music and we loved Mumford and Sons and, you know, and coffee and art. And we used to draw a lot. And so we just started hanging out and like going to coffee shops and yeah, the rest is kind of history. (laughs) It was definitely a, definitely not what I expected my future would look like, you know, marrying someone in a wheelchair, but it's been great. And the Lord, we have to give credit to God because it would not, it would not be what it is, you know, without his grace and guidance. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a crazy journey for sure. We've, I, I just, I've never, um, I never dated basically even before the accident. And then after the accident, it was kind of just, uh, it wasn't really in my mind just because I knew that with what came with my situation would come with a lot of just things I couldn't do and a lot of, you know, stuff that you don't want to put on someone else. And so I never really pursued that until I met Jamie. And when I met her, it just was kind of like, I, I have to do this because there's, I just don't, yeah, I just needed to, to be with her. So I knew that I had to step out and just, I'm a very introverted person. So stepping out and, <laughs> and pursuing someone was definitely out of my character, but it was definitely the best decision I made. So, yeah. It was worth it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Guys, I was really interested when I um when I first came across you guys um about the the fact that you both run small creative businesses. Can you tell us what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So I do graphic design. Um, I used to do video work and uh, write music for commercials and videos and stuff like that, but. Um, yeah, I started doing graphic design maybe five years ago and uh, about three years ago, it turned into kind of my full-time job and I've been able to kind of just work from home and do, I do a lot of brandings and logos and merch and product design and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's all freelance. So I work for myself. It's all just kind of either word of mouth or through people who see my stuff on Instagram a lot, just what I do and reach out. So, and I, um, I'm a jewelry designer, so I do metalsmith jewelry. And I have a home studio as well here at the house. And I also um, buy and sell vintage, like home goods. So that's been really fun to do because after we got married, that was something. As I was like decorating our home, I really loved it. And I loved kind of finding unique pieces. And once I got enough, I was like, oh, I can't just keep buying stuff. Maybe I could buy it and sell it. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's kind of a creative lifestyle brand. And I like to focus on just good quality things that are either handmade or found, um, promoting kind of a simpler, um, higher quality lifestyle as kind of quality over quantity, um, you know, finding pieces you really love. So whether it's jewelry or something for your home. I've checked out both of your Instagrams and um, I really love all your stuff. How's it been running small businesses like in quarantine and with coronavirus? Oh, man. It hasn't been a huge change, really. I mean, we both work from home, so having to stay home and and, and not go out has not been much yeah. of a difference. But um, I feel like, for me, business slowed a tiny bit just from people not wanting to spend money on, you know, extra things that they don't need to mm-hmm. at the time just for um, brandings or things that they may be pursuing or businesses that were in the process of getting started kind of had to like, halt, you know, things to get that mm-hmm. going. So. 
that's been a little bit, but other than that, it hasn't really been a huge damper on things for sure. Yeah. At least for me, at least. Yeah. I didn't do a lot of like, um, pursuing, um, wholesale accounts. Cause a lot of times I'll work with small shops and they'll buy my jewelry wholesale. So I kind of purposefully didn't reach out to shops knowing that they were kind of in a hard position too, you know? So I did a lot more just retail and, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we kind of, for me, I've kind of slowly been building a customer base to where I have people that, you know, come back. So that was, it was a, it was kind of a gift to see like those people that didn't just disappear during it. So that was really great. Because the 4th of July is a big deal, obviously, in, in the US. Um, and this year has been a very unusual and strange, strange year in the US. So what are you guys doing this year? Have you got plans for the 4th of July? Mm, man. I don't think that we I, do. We usually spend it with our families, either her family or my family. We haven't gotten yeah. there yet. <laughs> yeah, we'd, we plan one day at a time. No. Yeah. We'll um, be with family, but, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of independence, then we're asking we're asking our guests today about independence. And I mean, obviously, there's so many layers to the idea of independence um, and between like historical um, meanings and, you know, being in a chair and what independence is, having your own business and being independent. There's so many ways that you guys are independent. So what does it actually, what does it mean to you? What do you celebrate when you celebrate independence? But for me, independence is, is, is very important just to know what I can do. And also with that, um, trying to know that trying to be fully independent, um, can, I can be a little too prideful sometimes and to know when to ask for help. I agree kind of with Logan. I think just for us, like learning together a lot, I feel like it's, it's like, being confident in what you have learned already and what you can kind of stand on and what you're familiar with. But I think it's also being confident that whatever obstacle you come to, that you'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> so, and we have great families that are super supportive, but it's been really empowering. Like we've traveled just the two of us and it's really, it's exciting to like, know, you know what, we might come up to something that we're not prepared for, but we're going to be able to figure it out together. And I think to me, that is a really big part of independence is not necessarily knowing everything, but knowing you, you can figure it out and you're going to figure it out because you kind of have to. I went to Nashville by myself um, to go to college. I had, my sister went out there for about a, a few months, but other than that, I was out there for probably six months to a year just by myself. Um, and so learning how to live by myself and to do what I needed to do to um to get groceries or to, you know, clean things or whatever it may be was basically just a trial and error thing. And mm -hmm. so I think being able to be independent takes some risk and takes some just yes. um, trying things into doing, just seeing what you can and can't do. And you're going to fail and, and, and fall down and, and wheels are going to pop off in elevators and you're going to fall and not know what to do. And that happened. It happened and, <laughs> not a fun experience, but I got through it. So it's, it's all about just doing. Yeah. So, but yeah. Not being held back by fear. Yeah. That's a big part. That's a really, really good part. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's been absolutely lovely speaking to you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Wish you a very happy 4th of July. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. you too. Well, well Gracie, we'll have to do something. Come on. We're, we're making a show about the 4th of July. I think we need to celebrate. 
I know. Well, we should now that lockdown's slightly easing over oh, here. Yeah. It's our Independence Day now, isn't it? Because yeah. it's like, the day that you can opens up again. So we'll get coffee. Coffee? <laughs> coffee? What coffee use wine? Okay, that's better. Our next guests today are a couple from Houston, Texas. We have Garland and Kezia here with us. Hi, guys. Hi, how are y'all? I love it when you say y'all. It's my favorite thing about Southern States. (laughs) I know. The accent is amazing. (laughs) Fabulous. So, guys, you you're in Houston. How is everything there at the moment? It's hot and humid. <laughs> the mosquitoes are biting bad. Oh no! <laughs> but other than that, it's actually it's raining a lot, and we're about to have a, a, a dust storm come through in the next couple of days. Oh yeah! Oh god! So that it's happens once a year, and. Uh, Make sure that we get everything uh, tied down before that happens. I think we'll be good to go. So, guys, I've been following your Instagram account, and I really like it. Um, steak and cupcakes. <laughs> it's really cute. Um, you guys, you. Describe, oh, you, you describe yourselves as an interracial, interracial couple. So can you tell us a little bit about what that means for you guys in your lives? Well, uh, me and Kizzy have met uh, about nine years ago and uh she was a uh, a volunteer at the uh, rehab hospital that i was at and uh we had a conversation and and we hit it off from there and uh we've been we've been together ever since it it was very fast <laughs> and i say that because it was very fast but then this is the first time I actually fell in love with Garland, with anybody actually. And so just, we met at the hospital and then we fell in love rather quickly. And, and now it's been 10 years will be July 23rd that we have known each other. And so it's coming up really, really quickly. So are you going to do something to celebrate that? Uh, hopefully they're talking about shutting down the, the city again because of the COVID stuff so hopefully we'll get to do something but if not we'll just celebrate at home go on then Katia. i saw on your instagram a post that you did recently about um national loving day um and i just thought it was really beautiful do you think you could tell us a bit more about that for maybe listeners that, that don't know what that is and what that means there were these two uh these two individuals that that decided that they loved each other and uh the time and, and place that they were in didn't allow them at the time to to legally be married uh, due to racial equality. And uh, they uh, they fought for their love and, and they won. And that day is called National Loving Day. Um, I don't, I can't exactly <laughs> recall the, the names of the people. I know the husband's name is Richard. And, but I can't recall the wife's name. Mildred. Mildred. Yes, uh, Richard Mildred. Uh, 
and Mildred Loving, thank you. And so they fought the the Supreme Court to uh, be married because they were an interracial couple and that wasn't allowed back then. It's an amazing story, but we're very, very happy that something like that actually has come about in society and that girl and I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to be together. Absolutely. Yeah, well, moments, moments of history. That's a huge thing to celebrate. Um, and we're talking about celebrations today because we are talking about 4th of July. This is our 4th of July special. And we're wondering what you guys are doing. Do you have any plans? Uh, we, uh, we have a barbecue set with our, our family, a little pool party. Hopefully it's not too hot. <laughs> Or it doesn't rain because every year, except for last year, I, I wanna I wanna say at least five years in a row, it's rained on the fourth of July every single year. Oh god. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Midsummer. Um when we talk about independence, we're asking all of our guests um on today's show about what independence means to them because people different people have different interpretations. So when we're celebrating something like independence, what is it that you guys celebrate? Well, for me personally, being in a wheelchair, um, any any independence is is a win for me. So, short of falling out of my wheelchair, I'm I'm able to to handle anything that may come about throughout the day. I think what Brown's <laughs> trying to say that I think he's grateful to do things that were due, but he just has to do them in a different way. Is right. that, is that right. what you're trying to say? Because uh, it might take me a little longer to do something, but I'll I'll figure it out my way in my time. Yeah, I think that whole problem solving is, is is a skill in itself, isn't it? Being able to think about, okay, I can't do this the way I might have done it once upon a time, but I'll find a different way to do it. And that's kind of your, that's special to you. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Gracie, you've been following the guys on Instagram as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I love the I love the name Steak and Cupcakes. I think it's very cute. Oh, thank you. You spelt it just so if listeners want to check you out, it's spelled Steak and Cupcakes, but Cupcakes with a with a K, isn't it? Yes. Um, my my goal and well, my dream is to have a cupcake shop. Uh, in the Houston, Texas area, and then like several of them all around the United States and probably all over the world. Wow. And I, I started baking several years ago, and I, my mom, I was baking cake for every sort of occasion, and then my mom just said, "Well, why don't you make a business out of it?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's such a great idea!" And so I ended up coming up with uh, Kezia's cupcakes. And I'm a home baker, and so I love to bake. And so I just created, I just dropped the the C and added the K. Of course, my name's Kesey, and it starts with a K, so I just added the K for cupcakes as well. Brilliant, brilliant. It sounds like, Grace, we're going to have to make another trip to the U.S. We're going to have to go to Houston now to try out some cupcakes. <laughs> Come on. Garland loves the strawberry. He Recommend them. <laughs> I do recommend strawberry. Favorite <laughs> Guys, it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you, and I wish you. Uh, we all, we both wish you um, a very happy Fourth of July. You as well. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs>
So as we all know, podcasts are pretty hot right now, um, and our next guest knows all about that. Among many other things, Drew Claiborne is the host of the podcast, excuse my language, but welcome to the show, Drew. Hey there, how's it going? I believe you have the second best uh, podcast about living well with spinal cord injuries. Uh, oh man, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's it's great. It's great. I've been really enjoying it. It's interesting to see the differences with how American um you, how you guys talk about stuff and how we do it. We're very um we're a bit more uh reserved and British about it. <laughs> so should I not swear on here? Is oh, that you, you is your guys' podcast? <laughs> should I be much more proper and cordial? And, uh, no, it's actually refreshing. <laughs> it's refreshing to have a bit of honesty. All right. Well, now with our show coming to an end um, for the, this series, there's going to be a, a podcast-shaped hole in our audience's lives, so maybe they can check out, check you out and have Absolutely. a listen. Absolutely. Yep, like she said, excuse my language, but, and it's a huge but because we like to talk about real shit with real issues and uh, in a real, real way. That's very true. I listened to your episode about with your, uh, that you did with your buddy Blake. Yeah. Um, and that was, it was brilliant. I have to say it was absolutely really? brilliant. Oh, thank you. I feel like <laughs> that we missed out on on our podcast. We might have to look into in the future into talking about stuff like that. But it was so honest. Um, and I, yeah, I think everybody should go check that one out. So that's just one of the many things that you do to support the spinal cord injured community because you're also the director of the Drew Crew. What is that? Yes, that's our nonprofit that my uh, family started when my injury happened 10 years ago. And I've taken it over in the last two years. And we've been, we raise money to help others in my situation, other people with spinal cord injuries in a big way. We want to do things that increase your independence, increase your uh, livelihood and your day-to-day life in a big way, rather than helping you in just one item. Or or not even, sometimes it might be one item, but in, instead of doing something so minimal and it won't really make a difference, we want to do things like getting you the same therapy I use that keeps my body healthy and keeps your body healthy so you're not going to doctor appointments all the time. Or getting you... Uh, assistive equipment at home so you control your doors and TVs and lights and all that kind of stuff. That way it it, it makes you feel more independent. And they've shown with more independence, it increases your mental strength and all that kind of stuff to deal with this. Because that anybody who has a spinal cord injury, that loss of control is, is a mind fuck really with a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's come up. I mean, we've done, I think, 33, 34 shows now on our podcast. And it comes up regularly about just yeah. exactly that. We talk about independence all the time. And I think that's why we wanted to do this 4th of July special, because it's about celebrating independence. And we all have such different relationships with the word independence. So I'm interested in finding out what it means to you. Oof. What it means to me? Oh, man. I don't know. Because if you're talking about like societal and like American independence, that's that's this whole thing that basically you can say and do whatever you want, which is nice, which is honestly why I started doing a podcast rather than 
anything else because I'm not restricted by anything. Uh, There's no restriction. I can say whatever I want to say, talk about anybody I want to talk about. And I can even put music into a podcast if I want to. So, yeah, there's no no limitations. I guess that's what you kind of think of when you hear independence, especially here in America. You think it's freedom of speech and freedom of uh, all that kind of stuff. But you, I don't know, here in America, it's still... Still depends who you are. Yeah, you'll get in trouble if you say and do certain things because usually the color of your skin. Lately, that's been a big issue. And well, it's always been a big issue, but it's the topic right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's interesting. I'm glad that you said that, actually, because a lot of the people that we've spoken to when when we've asked them about independence, they've talked about mobility and transferring and different aids they can use and support that they get. So I'm actually really glad that you that you um, thought about thought about it in a different way. Um, it must be a very difficult time. Where where are you based now? I'm actually in Michigan, uh, about 30 minutes outside of Detroit. Okay. And how are things there at the moment? So, you know, there's still, there's still some protests going on. Um, it, it's honestly pretty sporadic. You know, you'll, you'll see something pop up on social media and then you'll be like, Oh, I might go tonight or whatever. And, but with, for me, the whole quarantine and coronavirus thing, I'm not, I'm not really going out like that yet. And and I think with the 4th of July coming up, um, right. uh, how is it going to change how it's celebrated this year? Do you, how do you think? I don't think it'll be celebrated any differently, um, but I think it'll also bring out the crazies, to be honest, because it, it's so polarizing. It really is. You get all the people who are obsessed with their Confederate flags and then and want to say don't change our don't erase our history even though they've erased everybody else's history and it's like i don't know it is a weird time it's kind of uncomfortable and then you got a whole bunch of gun toting uh, people who <laughs> feel entitled yeah it's like i don't know it's kind of scary Drew, can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Because I see there that you're on a ventilator and you yeah. have a high level injury. So what's your what's your experience? So I, uh, like I said, my accident was 10 years ago. I did a backflip in high school uh, in the hallway. Me and some buddies were goofing around and I thought I'd go ahead and do a backflip. And I broke my neck, C1, C2, which is... Oh, God. Like, the highest level, yeah, and it's been on a been on event ever since then, and it's I don't know, it's my norm now. I don't really notice until I get put on these fucking cameras, and then I'm like, oh shit, I <laughs> got a big old big old thing on my neck. But or if I'm walking by a little kid, they usually they usually point it out. <laughs> like, what's that thing around his neck? Yeah. How can people find your podcast or more information about The Drew Crew? Go to thedrewcrew.org is our website. You can donate on there. And we're taking donations because obviously our events this year are going to get either postponed or canceled. Right now, right now they're canceled. So we're looking for alternatives. And right now, so I, 
I don't know how familiar you are with this, but like in Michigan, so our bottles and cans, we pay 10 cents extra as like a deposit. And then if you return the cans and bottles, you get 10 cents back. Well, we're collecting cans and bottles from everybody around here because during the quarantine, they weren't taking returns. So everybody's just been sitting on them. And we've collected anywhere from thirty to $50,000 worth of, of cans and bottles. And we're just now we're about to start sorting them and returning them. That is brilliant. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been really cool. But usually in the in July we have our annual golf outing and this year we're not gonna be doing the golf outing, at least not traditionally and not yet. We're still kinda watching like what happens with the virus and everything. And still trying to figure it out. But this this will definitely get us to next year. And then everybody who wants to listen to my podcast, it's Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, YouTube, anywhere, and it's excuse my language, but <laughs> great. great, thank you very much for joining us. What are you doing for the Fourth of July? What are your plans? Pretty sure we'll be out here on my deck. We live right across the street from a lake, so might take the boat out on the water. And that's nice. <laughs> yeah, Michigan's beautiful. I love it. We've everybody that we've spoken to, um, so I know Grace couldn't be here while we were speaking to you, but uh, everybody else that myself and Grace have spoken to for this show, um, we've been kind of trying to um, get invites to to, to to visit them in the US. So maybe we'll come on your boat. Yo, I got a couch. <laughs> I got a couch. Come on over. <laughs> I've had a couple friends sleep on sleep on the couch and uh, come hang out with us. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. It's party. <laughs> cool. Listen, it's been lovely to talk to you, Drew, and happy 4th of July. Happy 4th. And that's it, Gracie. We're coming to the end of our epic US adventure, our virtual US adventure for the moment. We're going to have to get on all of these visits now and invitations. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I'm feeling very inspired. After our adventure podcast and now this one, I feel like we need to travel. Yeah, 100%. And I'm thinking we need to go and sleep on Bree's couch. For sure. New York adventure coming up. <laughs> All the cupcakes we could eat. <laughs> um, but as well as being the end of this episode, it's also the end of our lovely series three. This this giant that has grown out of a random <laughs> little project. I would never have imagined at the beginning of lockdown when we wanted to create this that it would have been so big and we'd have such a great community and such great cafes. So I want to thank everyone so much for engaging and listening and keeping the conversation going. Absolutely. And you know what? I really feel like um, we've made so many new friends between like the cafe, just seeing so many great faces that have come back and you know we've continued on conversations from week to week and and made really lovely friends and the people who've been in touch with us on social media and by email and and the guests we've spoken to on the show it's just been a really 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 pleasant experience but it is kind of time to wind it up so on that note if anybody is looking to keep in contact with us in the meantime of course they can on our social media how do they do that Gracie? 
so um it's this is spinal crap um on instagram it is spinal crap show on um twitter and facebook and you could email us at this is spinal crap at gmail.com um and please remember to rate review subscribe um so other people can find the podcast so we're going to go take a nice little breaky now. Grace going back to uni. I'm going to go back to my life um, and probably get on the next plane to wherever we can go. <laughs> um, in the meantime, uh, we will say goodbye. Uh, we'll say thank you again to SIA for uh, being partners with us in this project. Thank you again to Coloplast, as always. Thank you again to the rest of the Spinal Crap team who haven't been on the shows that much, but have still been good support. Um, outside of the outside of recordings and thank you to all of our listeners we love you loads and until next time this is spinal crap bye, bye. thanks for listening to this is spinal crap and thank you to our sponsors coloplast if you like this week's show please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media 